0: It is a wonderful joy and privilege for me to be back with you Uh, today. I I feel like it's always an honor to be invited to preach anywhere, Uh, but to be invited back a second or a third time is a a great honor indeed. And I was sharing with someone at the last service, I I believe the last time I preached here was uh, when the gym was still being built because I remember all of the beams uh, that were exposed, and all of the verses of Scripture and the promises of God that you all were writing uh, on the beams and the structure of that new building. And I hope and trust and know uh, that those promises of God that you all wrote up there have—you've seen those come to fruition uh, in the years since that space has been built. Uh, this church has been such a blessing to my, to me, my family's life in the 17 years that we've lived in Georgetown. Uh, Three of my daughters attended preschool here. Uh, I've had such great relationships with uh, several of the pastoral staff uh, here. Larry Hall was a wonderful, selfless mentor uh, as I was going through the ordination process uh, a decade ago. And, uh, of course, Greg and uh, Pastor Andrew, dear dear friend. And uh, Marcus Price came up through our ministry on campus, and it's been such a blessing to watch him grow and blossom uh, as as a leader so that's, uh, so I'm very grateful for everything that uh, this church represents, the opportunities to participate in the city of Bethlehem that I've received. Uh, when I think of this church, I think of the end of the, gospel, uh, the chapter 1 of the Gospel of Mark, where uh, Jesus has just preached his first sermon and exercised his first demon. And it talks about after that that his fame began to spread throughout the town. And when I think about this church, I think about just your witness and your desire to make Jesus famous in Georgetown and in our region, and I thank God for that, and I thank God for you. The uh, pastor, Andrew, asked me to, invited me to preach on hope, was the topic that he gave me about a month ago, a uh, topic which I'm excited to preach on. Uh, the lectionary passage for today is Philippians 2, or the epistle reading, is Philippians chapter 2, verses 1 through 13, and so that's where uh, we'll be, that, that'll be our focus scripture for today. Paul, just an ounce of context, uh, the, the epistle of Philippians is a letter that Paul wrote to the church at Philippi, and it is he is very pleased with this church. The tone of this letter is not angry, uh, like the epistle to the Galatians, for example. He's very pleased with this church, and these verses which we're about to read, uh, he's challenging the church to take their already really faithful witness to the next level. So hear these verses from the apostle Paul. Philippians 2, starting at verse 1. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind Be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, Every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. This is the word of God for you, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Spirit of the living God, fall fresh upon us. For the gifts of life and breath, and blessings that are new each morning, for the blessings of friendship, for the blessings of having a spiritual home, And a spiritual family. For the blessings of Sabbath rest and Sabbath worship. Today, Almighty God, we offer our thanks and praise to you. I'm thankful this morning, Jesus, for all of the songs that we've sung that have revolved around the beauty of your name. We thank you, Jesus, that your name is life. That your way of life is healing. That it is the life that you've called us to live. Help us, Lord, this morning as we unpack your word to us. May we listen with open hearts and open minds, and open ears, that we might hear the promptings of your Holy Spirit, whatever you may choose to speak individually to us through the proclamation of your word. May we have ears to hear and then conviction and courage to go and do. Thank thank you, Lord. For the opportunity to use a flawed and broken but in the process of being healed person like me to share your word this morning. And I ask and pray these things in the matchless name of Christ. Amen. Amen. So what are the biggest things that you are worrying about these days? What what are those things that are keeping you up at night? As I've been thinking about that question over these past couple of weeks, it it dawned on me that how I would answer that question has been different every decade of my life. Like I think back to when I was six years old. If you were to ask me what were my biggest worries, I probably would have answered, uh, you know, something like would I have enough allowance money to be able to buy the G.I. Joe toy at Kmart this weekend. And then when, you know, 10 years later when I was about 16, if you'd ask me what my biggest worry was, it probably, I don't know, had something to do with uh, the girl that I happened to be infatuated with that week. Like, would she like me back? But by my mid-20s, I know my worries changed, uh, becoming a first-time father, holding that new life in my hands for the first time, and just wondering, like, like, can I do this? Like, like, do I have what it takes to be a good dad? What if I royally mess this thing up? Different level of worries. And then in my mid-30s, by then, I had three children, all right? And so, you know, questions about, well, gosh, are You know, are we going to have enough money to provide for our family for braces and college and retirement and all these other things? Now, in my mid-40s, I'm asking different worrying, wondering questions. I'm like, when did I become middle-aged? Like, when did that happen? Um, Wait, and this, like, challenging time that I'm going through, is that a crisis uh, is this the midlife crisis? Is that what this is? Are the feelings I'm feeling, are those normal? So those are just some of the concerns, you know, kind of internally swirling around. And then as uh, Harold mentioned in his prayer, especially over these last four years, we just, there's so many things around us in the world to worry about, right? I mean, the, the global pandemic we've lived through, the, the land war in Ukraine, Climate crisis things, uh, tornadoes and wildfires and hurricanes, church splits, dangerous and deep political divisions, groups trying to undermine confidence in American democracy, uh, fentanyl and opioid overdoses, all these things that are largely beyond our control, So in the midst of all of those things to worry about, what is the way forward? For followers of Jesus, what is the way forward and where does one find hope? From these 13 verses of scripture that I shared with you this morning, I want to zero in on just two of them. Uh, We'll focus in on two verses three and four, uh, which I think will be up on the screen there. Verses three and four, and I want to focus on these verses because these verses challenge me, they intrigue me, and they terrify me. Because they are so unnatural, uh, they're so countercultural, they're so they're not common sense. I'm not quite sure what to do with these verses. Verse three Paul writes Do nothing. From selfish ambition or conceit. But in humility, regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others. When I first read these verses, or when, not, when I read them a couple of weeks ago, getting ready for today, I was like, who who does that who does that who does these things right and i thought about christians as a group Um, we are not known for for this we are not known for regarding others as better than ourselves Uh, one of the blessings i have as a campus minister even at a christian college is i get to talk to non-christians regularly and from the people i talk to christians as a group uh, are not known for regarding other people better than ourselves now, I know there's a few individuals out there who, who do that really well, right? Andrew and Arpita, uh, for sure. Um, Craig and Megan Shook, I see over there, right? Uh, they, they're, they're really good at this. But, but like as a whole, the church, right, we struggle with this. Think of others uh, as better than yourselves, right? And, and, and in some ways, too, I think this is really un-American, Right? This is countercultural In our culture, we pride ourselves on being the greatest. We are number one. Right? We have the greatest university, the greatest ball team, and the greatest country, and the greatest state. We are first. We love rankings. Right? We go to the number one ranked hospital in the region. Uh, we love being number one. Think of other people better than ourselves. This doesn't come naturally. I don't know how to do this on my own. What does that even mean? Like, what is that really supposed to look like for us? Like, if I'm a UK fan, does that mean that, like, I'm supposed to think of Tennessee fans as better than us? Like, is that what that means? Like, if I'm a Coca-Cola dude, am I supposed to think of Pepsi lovers as better than me? If I'm a Republican, am I supposed to think of Democrats as, as better than me or better than us? Or as Americans, can you imagine the politician who's running for office who says, uh, you know what, I've recently converted to Christianity, I'm going to try to put this Paul's teachings into practice here. So uh, Americans, you know, we're pretty good, but we really need to consider the Bulgarians. Uh, they're better than us. Japanese, the Japan, you all are better than us. Uh, Cambodians, you are better than us, right? Right? No politician will say that because we require our politicians to feed our egos. Tell us we're greatest. Tell us we're first. Tell us we're the best. I don't know how to do this on our own. And if the church isn't going to teach this, who's going to teach this message? Who's going to teach you to do these things? So how are we supposed to live this out? Well, the only thing I've been able to figure as I've thought about this over the past couple of weeks is that verse 13, which I wish I would have put up on the screen, but I didn't. I think verse 13 is a key verse here because in verse 13, Paul writes, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to work and to will For his good pleasure. So my sense is that's it. The only way that I could begin to live out these two verses. Is if God is at work within me. Transforming. If the power of God is transforming my life from the inside out. It's the only way this is possible. These two verses are the most simple teachings in the world. But it Will probably take me a whole lifetime to figure out how to live this out every day if I ever get there. And that's okay, as long as we're trying. And when we mess this up, as long as we're failing forward. Listen to me, church. The Apostle Paul is trying to persuade the church, he's trying to persuade us that for followers of Jesus Christ, The way forward in the midst of a season of worry and anxiety, the way forward is the way down. The way of humility. The way of putting into practice these verses from Paul. Emptying ourselves, living out a different way of life than what the culture is around us, taking the role of a servant. Emptying ourselves of our need to be right. Emptying ourselves of our need to be number one. Emptying of ourselves of our need to have worldly power and influence. Emptying of ourselves of our need to win the argument. Emptying ourselves if we are going to be the hands and the feet and the heart and the voice of Christ in this world. Our witness will look different than our culture's priorities. According to Paul, the way forward, the way of hope for the faithful church is the way down. It's the way of humility. You know, I wonder as Jesus today looks out across the world, I wonder where Jesus, I wonder what brings him hope. I know I was encouraged last week uh, during a mountaineering trip. I take every September with college students. We took 10 of them to Grandfather Mountain uh, for a day of mountaineering and a day of whitewater rafting. And it's a really intense hike, so it's, you begin, you climb uh, 1,700 vertical feet. That's us right there at the beginning of the trailhead. Everyone's happy and smiling at the beginning. Uh, 1,700 feet you ascend in the first couple of hours. We started at 9.40 in the morning. We finished at 4.40 in the afternoon. Uh, uh, you, you climb from 4,200 feet to over 5,900 feet in the first couple of hours till you get to Callaway Peak uh, up there. And that's the highest point in the Blue Ridge Mountains. And it's really intense. After that, you're hiking across the ridgeline. One of the students at the end of the day, her Apple Watch said that we had ascended 3,700 vertical feet, uh, six miles distance-wise. And I tell the students before they go, I warn them, I say, listen, this is intense. This isn't just hiking through the woods. Like, this is really intense. You have to be able to jog a couple of miles generally to to be able to do something like this. And I tell them that it's, you know, uh, you don't need to bring for this trip heavy backpacks. Like, there's always the one guy from uh, Scouts or whatever who has the big backpack and, you know, uses it for like the two-week travel thing. So you don't need to bring that because the lighter your backpack is, the easier it is to climb up the mountain. All you need is a little bit of water, because there's a spring up there where we refill our water bottles, which is great. Uh, You need a couple of snacks, because there's no food up there otherwise. But you could share a small backpack with another person. And I try to hammer this home. Well, there was one student on this particular trip who uh, didn't listen. And somehow, I I try to kind of check their backpacks as they're getting out of the cabin. But uh, I didn't see his. We got to the trail, and about 30 minutes into the hike, he's struggling. And I'll go up and talk to him. I'm like, what's going on? And I'm 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 able to see, but he's like, "Ah, I think I brought too much. You know, he had like the industrial-grade military flashlight that you could use as like a bludgeon. uh, You know, and I was like, what did you think we would need that for? He's like, I don't know. And so he had all this stuff he didn't need. So it's like, well, what are we going to do? Because he was struggling. And uh, we had another student come up who, was on the cross, who used to be on the cross country team. And uh, he said, Well, I know, I can run the backpack back to the van, and then I'll run back and meet you guys. I'm like, oh, that's really, really, really a kind to offer. And then another another person said, I know, how about if we do this? How about if each of us takes just one thing out of your backpack that we don't need and puts it in our backpack? That way we distribute it and it's not too heavy on any one person. Uh, And he was like, yeah, I think that sounds like a good idea. So we did that. So I I put something in my backpack and several other people did. And throughout the day, uh, you can see here in this picture, there's ladders to get up. There's steel cables to climb. Uh, So there's a lot... There's a lot to do. And students, they helped each other. They encouraged one another. It was great. The next day, we went whitewater rafting. And after, as we were leaving, after whitewater rafting, we drove home. And we were really hungry. We decided we would stop and get Mexican food at uh, Middlesboro. We decided that was the place. If you could go back one slide for a second. Uh, We we decided we'd get Mexican food. And uh, I said, we're just going to go to the first place that we find. And so I went and uh, turned into the strip mall where I saw the first Mexican restaurant. We went in. The food was amazing. I was talking to a young lady across the table who was on the trip. And she was, I was just kind of asking her to debrief, like, what did she learn on the trip? And she, what she said astounded me. She said, um, she said, I was really amazed yesterday at how the students were encouraging each other and helping each other out she said, I was reminded that that, light, that can be normal everyday life. She said, because when I'm back on campus, it's like I'm just in survival mode. And I'm just worried about myself and, and making sure I get my papers in on time and studying for my exam and I'm so self-focused. But out on the mountain, it was like everybody was just trying to help everybody. And when she said that, it it really encouraged me. It really brought me hope because I thought, yeah, like I can relate to that because too often in my own life, I'm in survival mode. I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to get the kids to the practice and, and get the checklist done at the groceries and the pay the bills and get the work stuff done and this, that, and the other. And it can be so hard for me to start to th- put the interests of others first. I, I'm so busy, so self-focused trying to get everything done that I need to get done. So I was really grateful uh, for what she said and I was reflecting on it as we left. And uh, we were driving away and I was driving, I had some time to think and I was thinking about what she said. And then as I reflected further, I was reminded that as I had walked in and out of the restaurant, again, I didn't choose, I mean, we weren't planning to go here, it was just the first place that we saw. But the name of the restaurant, now you can flip the the name of the restaurant that we went to is La Esperanza, which is the Spanish word for hope. The hope. And I was like, look at God go, right? I mean, the only restaurant in my entire life that I've ever eaten at called The Hope right, is the restaurant that right before I'm supposed to preach a sermon on hope, and oh, you know, does after that ever happen to you where it's like, okay, maybe God's trying to get my attention here, Uh, maybe God's trying to point me in a certain direction. So I was very grateful for uh, God's, uh, God's, God's there, because I I could just hear God saying, hey, numskull, listen to what this college student just told you and begin to try to live that. Her comments reminded me, and I'm I'm closing now, her comments reminded me that uh, hope isn't just something that we find. But it's something that we can help to create if we choose to. And not just on this mountaineering trip, but here and there throughout my journey with Jesus, I've seen followers of Jesus who truly embody those couple of verses of of Paul. Serving others in humility. On my walk to Emmaus retreat, I saw a servant-heartedness that was compelling, that was captivating. Hope isn't just something that we find. It's something that we can help to create I was reminded again of that, of talking to the volunteers who made 281 sandwiches this morning for the Amen House. Small acts of servant-heartedness. If we are willing to obey Paul's instructions here, to empty ourselves and to do nothing from selfish ambition, and baby steps are good, so maybe I can't do nothing from selfish ambition, but maybe I could do something today. Uh, not from selfish ambition. That's, maybe that's where I need to start. Looking not to our own interests, but to the interests of others. To sell, help someone else out who's carrying a backpack that's too heavy for them. Maybe there's someone that God has put in your life that you just can tell this week that whatever they're carrying is too much. And maybe there's something, if you'll reach out to them, maybe there's something that you could do for them to help lighten their load this week, to bless their life, to show them the way of humility that Paul talks about here. A thousand small acts of self-sacrifice, saying no to selfish gang, saying yes to helping other people. The way forward is... The way down. Let us pray. God, thank you for the blessing of your word. How if we will read it and try with your help to live it. How it is infinitely challenging for us. There's always something new to learn or to do. Thank you, though, Lord, that you haven't abandoned us to our own strength, because I know in my own strength I can never live into any of this stuff. But I thank you that with your help, Lord, we are becoming more and more like you in our life and in our life together. And I pray that you would help us, Lord, to continue to say no to ourselves, to say yes to you, to yield some new part of our hearts to you that we've never yielded before even if we've surrendered our life to you surrendering some goal some dream some talent that we've always held back and we've refused to hand over to you help us this week to hand something new over to you and then to watch lord what you can do with that i thank you that through the power of your spirit you can do so much greater through us than we can do ourselves And I thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, that you are such a faithful shepherd and leader. It's in the name of Jesus that I ask and pray all of these things. Amen and amen.